Welcome into the Solar Insights Podcast. We got Jim McCormick here. Uh, he's known for fantasy football, um, but we're talking about basketball because he loves it too and he knows what he's talking about. So my name is Eric Sarr and this is Solar Insights Podcast. How are you doing, Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, like casual references to knowing what you're talking about is not exactly my game, but like, you know, I, I have to live up to that. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about some Sixers, some general stuff. Um, tell us more about kind of about your childhood in basketball and kind of how you like basketball. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, like hoops was always my game. I'm a lefty, um, incredibly dominant lefty. Ooh, <laughs> <in terms> wow. <laughs> of, but that works. It, it works. I mean, um, I'm not a Ben Simmons in the sense that like they're not sure what hand I am. It's yeah. very clear. You're, dra- you're Dragic. Uh, you're, you're like, um, he's going to yeah. go left. You're Conley. He's going to go left. Maybe you should head that way. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, I have this huge family. Like, I'm the youngest of four, but then my dad's the oldest of 12. Oh, so man. I had all these uncles who hooped. So, like, we just played a lot of ball, like, around suburban Philly. And, um, yeah, I just grew up a huge hoops fan. Like I said, I was talking to you before we started recording about how I have a connection to the Suns in the sense that – and I think a lot of people in my generation. I was born in 80, and so I wasn't really there for the Dr. J era. Like, mm. Barkley was really my first introduction to the NBA. Mm. And my first game was, like, a, a – you know, like a Carl Malone, like Charles Barkley battle at the Spectrum. Ooh. And I just was like, this is my sport. You know, like, <laughs> this is it. Because they were just going to war. Bruisers. Yeah, it was just like, honestly, it was ridiculous, like how physical the game was back then. Um, and just, you know, how incredible those two were together uh, in 1986 or whatever it was. So in any case, when they traded Barkley to the Suns and they got Jeff Hornacek, Andrew Lang, and like a bag of hummus, like not even <laughs> a, like a jar of hummus. A bag, a bag. of hummus. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and like, and this was like 1993 when like people were like, "What is hummus?" And it just was terrible. I remember where I was when it happened. 92, rather. I, re- I actually literally remember where I was. I was working at a pizza place down the shore, and I was just like, I, "You couldn't." There was nothing on demand. I couldn't like make the podcast replay it because it was the radio. But I was like, "What did you just say? You treated? What did you get for Charles Barkley?" So in any case, long long way of saying, I adopted that that Suns team for, for th- those runs, you know, mm-hmm. I'd already loved KJ to yeah. begin with, mm-hmm. but then like, you know, Barkley synthesized it all for me. And I fell in love with everybody. Otis Thorpe, Cedric Spalos. Like eventually like I ended nice. up somehow following the Suns a little bit tangentially. So what do you think of uh, Charles Barkley now? Uh, he's, he's a little bit of like, it's a shame because he like, he was really progressive in some senses. Like, I don't think people remember that, like, in 88, 89, he was basically the NBA MVP. If you look at the voting, like, several West Coast writers completely left him off the ballot completely, and Magic Johnson won it. And the reason I say that is because he was – a lot of the reason that he was left off the ballot was because of how progressive and loud and vocal he was about race mm-hmm. and just in general about, like, the league. And, like, you know, he was one of the first people to really talk about, you know – um, stop looking up to us. He, he he brought up the role model, you know, concept. He didn't bring it up, but I think he was willing to talk about it in the dialogue others weren't. And in any case, like, I think he's lost some of that. Like, he's a little bit, like, old man, like, he's a little bit Clint Eastwood on his porch now. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not it's not as fun, but at the same time, I don't know what you think about this, but I kind of like how little Barkley, Shaq, and like Paul Pierce and these guys actually follow the league because it's like hysterical because it makes me feel good because I'm like, wait, what did you just say? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's like, kind of funny, but it drives me a little bit crazy because I'm no, like, no, can I have your job, please? <laughs> no, no, I, I agree, it's vexing, but like, I kind of like how consistent like that trope is. Yes, like, yes, for example, yes. For example, this morning Jalen Rose is on and he's like, they replay 
um, uh, Demonte Sabonis yeah. dunking on Embiid with like a forearm to the face, but still, whatever. It was a physical play. I'm not going to complain. And he's like, Joel Embiid is such a gifted offensive player. I- I'm just looking forward to when his defensive game comes around. I'm not going to say, he's been good at defense since he got in the league. He was like the best offensive center. Offensive game is getting better, and from the second he was on the NBA floor, he had one of the best defensive net, you know, best defensive oh ratings. My gosh. And his, his team in general just always has a good net rating. It's not a very difficult, you know, piece of math to wonder why the Sixers had this great net rating last year. So yeah, they're, they're, any, they're top five and like the best one, other than maybe the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. So in any case, it's just like um, I think there's this disconnect that you see with these guys because I think some of it too. It, it's like. They're so close to it that, like, their expertise, I think, can be assumed among themselves, right? Like, yeah. Barker's like, I know the sport. Like, I can just pick it up as I go. It's like, but it does change. And I think so. my biggest beef with Barkley is his Steph Curry take. Like, it's just so ridiculous how he won't recognize, like, that there are so many different ways to be a dominant player. Yeah. And he's just, he just he refers to him as this, like, shooter. And it's like, Steph being a shooter has become this, like, weird, terrible, like, piece of semantics like a way to like frame him in a way that's not a complete player and it's yeah. like embarrassing he's he's very likely like the second best point guard of all time or whatever you want to call him he's one of the best backcourt players in the history of the game and it's not because he just because he's shoot he, the way he's able to finish at the rim and oh, it's, incredible. it's incredible i mean yeah and then the fact that gravity where he can pull you out and completely i like the way uh, people i think uh matt moore hardwood peroxen the way the way people explain it about how he's changing the like the fabric of the league. Like you cannot play defense the way you used to be able to play defense. You have to literally think about it, especially if you want to even get close to the in the play. If you're going to meet him in the playoffs to try to get past them more than just a game in the regular season, you're going to have to seriously think about how you're going to do that. No one else has to do that. Well, and the windows are so much small. Like I think, like the margin for error is like much smaller. Like, like you're saying, like players are so much more aware of like, oh, they didn't make. The, you know, these guys died on a rotation three pointer. You know, like it's it's just it's 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 the league has now adopted it. Like, and it's another thing too. If you look around the league, I know we have this scoring boom going on, but like Steph actually caused uh, like a, ph- a philosophy like a change beyond just like spacing. But also with regards to how teams are going to draft mm-hmm. and how players are going to play, like like you know, you and I were talking before the show about how you have a a, a fun a background in like you know player development and like mm-hmm. that's that's part of like you know the way that you look at basketball and it's like you know an article today that Tom Hamistro had or maybe it was mm-hmm. yesterday about you know comparing Steph to Mike Jordan yeah. and really what he was saying was also that the that he's like I think they said his influence on. Uh, Under Armour is like 15 billion. So meaning the idea that he's also this cultural icon. Yeah. But like Steph is going to change how young kids play basketball. And that article mentioned Trey Young saying the first time I saw him, I knew I, what, what I wanted to be. Yeah. I, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you seen any of the Steph effect with the youth level? Uh, yeah. I mean, you watch people, they try to shoot through. My, my kids, the people I call them my kids, my clients, they're trying to shoot these things. I'm like, you, like this one kid, it was eight years old or something. And he's trying to shoot from far away doing a step axe like a step or something. And I'm like, you're, you're barely able to get it. You're not even shooting the right form. You're barely able to get it to the rim. Let's let's work on like actually shooting like at all before we get started to do step backs from so far away. Yeah, so I think there's something too that they want to emulate. I mean, I remember when I was growing I mean, Kobe, everybody was trying to emulate Kobe, my brother, other people. ISO, right. ISO, um, the fadeaway. It's like, well, fadeaway is generally not a good a good thing to do unless you literally have to do it. It's good to be when you're at the NBA level. Yes, you're gonna 
uh, create all these moves because you're playing against the best of the best. But in general, you're going to be off balance, and until you perfect it, it's a bad, probably a bad idea. Uh, so it's so it's interesting to see the Steph Curry effect and how how it's affected the youth and how they try to just chuck it. It's like okay, Steph is the most prolific yeah. shooter of all time. Let's, let's not try to be your own player. And when you kind of see, and I'm not mocking him at all because I, I I know that he's a talented player, but you can see it like kind of sometimes when you see these highlights of like of um of the youngest ball brother, you yeah. know, like in terms of just oh like gosh. pulling up pulling the string from anywhere. All I know is though is that Allen Iverson had quite the effect when I was a kid. In, in, oh yeah. In, if you could have seen how difficult it was to referee games in suburban Philadelphia when Allen Iverson was playing, like how many carries there were on crossovers, oh, like that's yeah. all we were all we were doing was trying to knock people down with crossovers. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I don't want to touch anybody. I don't want to get any. Like you were saying the Kobe thing, it was just like that. It was like we were like like I remember like in like CYO ball, like kids like waving people off for ISOs. I was like, what has happened? <laughs> you're like, I don't even want to go to the river shoot. I just want to make you fall down and break your ankle. That's all I want to do. It's true. I can miss the shot. I can turn it over, but we'll, we'll remember you on the floor. Yeah. It's kind of amazing how many times when someone does break someone's ankles that they actually make the shot. I like don't see very many ones. Maybe it's confirmation bias or uh, reverse confirmation bias, but right. um, you don't ever remember very many of them. Maybe that's because you don't remember it, but also I don't recall very many um, times when someone breaks someone's ankles and they miss the shot. It's like... They're, they're, it means that they had they had the move and they're ready to and they're hitting it. They're on fire. Uh, yeah, who had the, the one? OG, not the, the OG, like like look it up. Like probably people don't remember it. Crossover was David Wesley Allen Iverson, and obviously David Wesley did not cross Allen Iverson over. It was the other way. And I was there in person, and I, I've never oh, seen snap. it before. He fell down on his face without his hands. Like, oh. he, like it was like he like was like. Like, it was amazing. It was like he got lassoed. It was really impressive. That's pretty good. I think McCollum had the one from a couple of days ago. Oh, on on, on Dante yeah. Vincenzo. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was pretty impressive. And, and Dame Lillard runs across the court to high five him. It was great. <laughs> it's it's great. What do you think of uh, Fultz? What is your take on the Fultz whole Fultz situation from last year? Man, this it's 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 like difficult. It's 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 vexing to be honest with you. <laughs> like as a Sixers fan. Like, so I, I do daily notes, NBA notes for ESPN, like almost every day, mm-hmm. which is a, a fantasy basketball breakdown, but really I'm just like kind of also breaking down like pace and scoring trends as they apply to fantasy. And I bring that up to say that I follow the league really closely and I like to be objective, but like, I'm just not objective about <laughs> the Sixers at all. It's, it's a very emotional thing for me. And, you know, I, I think Brian Colangelo really wanted to make a splash. Like, look. If the process was all really about process over results, and that was kind of a lot about what Hinky's thing was, it really wasn't process over results. It was to say that, like, you know, trust your process, and mm-hmm. and it became this this gimmick. But really, it was true. He really was saying that, like, no one really, know, it's no one really. Know, it's kind of like the, he was kind of doing a Belichick thing, but yeah. except losing in the sense that he was hoarding as many pitches as he could to take as many shots. And I guess my point is, is that it was a very poor use of assets. Derek Bodner says it best. At that time last year in like June 2017, the Sixers had like four ways to get a superstar, a third player. Yeah. It was a max slot. It was uh, the Lakers pick, the Kings pick, and our own number three pick last year mm-hmm. with, the, you know, with the Kings swap. And they used two of those assets to get one player, and it didn't work. So you just like kind of, you know, like you cut like – I think NBA windows are a lot shorter than people think they are. You look at the Wizards, you look at the Blazers, you look at these teams who started with these good bases and like how quickly your cap fills up when you have to make decisions. And I just, I think the false thing is a very long way of saying that 
I think Colangelo got suckered into a really bad poker game by Danny Ainge. And I, I understand the player himself, the variance, but like the actual bet itself wasn't smart. Really? Because yeah. what, it, what it, necess- it required Fultz to be a superstar right away. And here's the biggest question that I have. People forget this. Ben Simmons hadn't played in the NBA yet. Yep. And they made this like, – I just think – I look back and I, I even agreed with it. Like I was going along with the group thing. Like he's the missing piece. It's like how could you establish what the missing piece of a roster is if you don't actually know what your roster is? And Abid had played yeah. like 20 games. Exactly, 28 games. Dario, you really didn't know what he was because you did, but like he was this inefficient high usage guy that year because he was the only yeah, man Yeah, he was the only guy. And, no, and everybody else was like journeyman. Exactly. Except for you know, Covington. Except for Covington. Covington was there, but even at the time, like I think that the roster was too fast and loose for people even to understand mm-hmm. the nuance of what Covington might have been doing then. I love Covington. He's and, one of my favorite players. Yeah, I love him too. He's a great. He's like it's funny because he's very he's this inverse polarizing player in the sense that like national punditry really respects him, and like there's all these Philadelphia fans who don't like him because he's a streaky shooter. But more importantly, his defense is the nuances are help defense. He's, yeah. And also, and also, he's too often being switched on to guys like Kemba Walker, and they expect him to stop him. And I'm it's like, he's like, a 6'9 forward. Kemba's like, so much bigger. Yeah, that, well, over here at Phoenix, I wish we had people that understood help defense. It'd be great. It would be nice. Um, I really do think that. I mean, uh, who? I, I feel bad about the Josh Jackson thing, but, but like, like Bridges um, is going to help. What Josh Jackson thing? You think he's... Just that I don't, I don't love him as a player. Like, yeah. You know? And I, like, and I don't say this to be at all. Like, what I'm saying is I was in that seat for, like, that whole summer yeah. thinking that Josh Jackson was going to be one of the decisions that the Sixers had to navigate at three. And my problem was just, like, knowing the realities of the game. And, it's, look, it's the problem with Fultz now, too. Like, I'm not I'm saying Fultz is in the same bucket as J- Jackson in the sense that to play a ton of minutes at that position on the wing, like, it's, you got to be able to create or shoot. And if you're not going to do both of them efficiently, then it's, like, it's it's difficult. Like, yeah, he can play make, which is interesting, but his yeah, shot selection good. is bad and is getting better. But he's also not as good of a defender as I thought he was going to be. I think he has potential to be really, really good. He just has to really unlock it. But he's got years. I mean, give him five years, and then we'll see where he's at. What's your take so far on the, on the, on the new – on the new coach and the whole, like, I mean, oh. I'm not going to ask you about the front office stuff because, you know, Sarver's crazy. But, like, yeah. in terms of how do you think they're playing so far? Because I haven't watched a ton of Suns, but I have picked up a little. And now I hear, you know, I hear Booker's not exactly happy. But, like, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering how that's all playing out. Booker's fine. Um, also, I, it's a breath of fresh air. It's just a freaking breath of fresh air, man. I love, like, I was tell, I tell this Modern to people. Basketball. I tell this well. It's it's basketball. It's like actual <laughs> yeah, basketball. Right. Um, like not because. So the problem is people people conflate good bad coaching versus good bad roster and like where's chicken or the egg. But also it's a combination of both all the time. So Igor is a really good coach, and I'm there is very Watson was not a good coach. He was a very good talker, very good motivator, not a good coach, but. You, but things broke down so easily and got bogged down. With Igor, nothing ever gets bogged down. They look sometimes the Everett's not there, like it wasn't against Brooklyn, even though they could have beat Brooklyn. They just beat Memphis the day before with all the players and without Warren. So like, there's something there. Asian looks. They're not reverting like the way that that like the Suns did last year. Like, yeah, I mean they're still losing by a lot, but they still have a not a great roster. It's there's it's young. All the good players are young except for Ariza and Anderson who aren't playing well. 
reminds me a little bit of like the Brown thing, meaning like you like following Brett Brown, early Sixers, like you had to somehow look to the scheme mm-hmm. beyond the results because meaning like you had to look through pace and yeah. certain types of things, even just like shot distribution and three point yeah. frequency, like so you know the stuff that the stuff that mattered to see you had to trust the system yeah. over kind of the results because like the results were terrible. So on that exact front, I it's totally a breath of fresh air. I watched them run sets, and I'm like, well, there's organization, there's movement, there's there's ability, there's open shots. It's harder to mess up a possession in one way. Although I mean, I've seen enough. I've seen all the game. I think I've seen all the games so far, all ten of them, and I could tell when the ball's gonna where the ball's gonna go, kind of. <laughs> But then again, there's so many the options. Yeah, the Sixers are falling into something not similar to that, but like the the Sixers have, and so to, to not to overdo the Fultz thing, but like my real thing now with Fultz is that like he's taking away spacing from a team that did, already had a spacing issue, right? Yeah. Because we have Ben Simmons, so it is this like it's also kind of the idea that like last you know last May, if you ask people, the Sixers were this like you know unstoppable growth. You know they're on this amazing ascent that was exponential yeah. and. I think this is a natural step back season. Anyway, yeah. you're trying to reintegrate a player who's not a, who's really. Let's be honest. Like, there not many young guards. Like, it's kind of the Chris Paul kind of or the Dame Lillard fallacy. Like, not many first year point guards or lead guards are going to do anything for you. Like, they're yeah. usually going to, in a lot of ways, be a net negative. And that's why case, people thinking the Jazz are going to be so amazing this year is like, uh, yeah, you know how fluky exactly. that last year was. You're the defensive player well, of the year, a bunch of veterans and a dynamic rookie. Yes, it's and possible. And it's bias of, like, the timing. Like, let's be honest, Mitchell's game didn't change so amazingly from December to February. What changed was, you know, Rudy Gobert was there. Meaning, like, they, they were able to control games much better, yeah. right? So Also, I love that he's older than Booker. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and, and that's – but see, that's the thing. Like, Tatum was the best player in the world – and I'm, I'm not even mocking it. I'm saying he was. He was like this ascendant player that people were like nominating. The Jalen Roses of the world were saying he's the one. For the first and time. Now he, and now he's playing like, you know, long two Kobe ball. And it's not really that efficient. I, I still trust the player. He's good. But it's just interesting how quickly we oscillate between this guy's the one and this guy's not the one. Well, and, Isaiah and Thomas. He's facing the ultimate wave of that. Can you make it? Honestly, man, if you ever look, like, I don't do this, but if I've ever seen his Instagram and look, the comments are just a bloodbath. And it's like, the guy has gone through a lot, and For I hope the human does well. Yeah, the Fultz, but yeah. I just, if you ask me right now, like, what do I think happens? I don't think he ever hits his ceiling here, and that's just kind of the reality of these rebuilds, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just is. There's well, a that, lot of, there's kind of a lot of uh, casualties to the build. For that, um, the thing you just mentioned about how, how much a player's uh, essence almost or perception changes in the NBA, think about Isaiah Thomas. Okay, yeah. Kings, um, good. He gets uh, the Kings are the Kings, and he gets traded for a great deal to the Suns. The Suns have too many point guards. He plays fine, but not amazing. He goes up and down, mostly because none of the three point guards can really play defense. Bledsoe could a little bit, but it just it didn't work for coaching reasons, for lots of different reasons. He goes to Boston, where I always said he was. It was the best fit. He was never going to do as well as he was with the people he had in Boston around him. It was incredible. The people who could take away his weaknesses and help him, and then let him do what he did. I was like, he's never going to recapture that again. As soon as he got traded to Cleveland, I was like, there's no way that's happened again. So, but then he goes to. I mean, then he signs a minimum. He was going to get a hundred million dollar deal. Now he gets for the the minimum at, in Denver. It's very interesting to see that and. 
there was a lot of uh, talk with the Euless on the Suns and him because Isaiah Thomas is strong, but Euless couldn't get the strength to really do what Isaiah Thomas does or be as good of a shooter. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and Isaiah Thomas, had he stayed healthy, would have become like the, the Darren Sproles. And what I mean by that is that every Sproles. next small guard that ever came along, you'd be like, he might be Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Like, anybody know, under like, six like, foot that this, can this, shoot at all. This outlier that then becomes an archetype, right? Yeah. But, like, and it's a shame. Uh, I, uh, Evan Turner was on um, uh, Lowe's, Zach Lowe's podcast. Yeah, and it was interesting, like, I need to get to that. One, to go through the Philly stuff, but two, you know, when he addressed the Isaiah Thomas thing, he just talked about how difficult it was to see, like, it's basically, like, inside the league, they know it's basically the biggest money loss that, like, we've seen in a long time. Because yeah. it's it's just crazy. Dude, in May of 2017 or whatever it was, the, the, the question was, how are you going to fit Isaiah Thomas and Marco Fultz together? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, just quickly. it's very crazy. Um, what did you think um, of Booker's contract and the fact, I mean, I don't think, I mean, he's a good leader, I think. And I think that he deserved to get the contract. He wasn't going to turn it down. I mean, think about the, the draft. Think about that draft again. I think it's 2015. Oh, I do, he's the <laughs> second best or the best in that draft. Booker is at oh, 13. He's a great player from that draft. That draft, like, you know, it's like Porzingis or him, right? Well, and no, Porzingis. it's Calvin Towns or him, but. Well, yeah, but yeah, well, it's interesting because Towns and Booker to me. They're they're not similar players, obviously, in the sense, but like they're similar players in the sense that like they're these they've handled very high they've handled high usage roles yeah. and done it at really high efficiency at like young levels. And like yeah. I'm not maybe Booker hasn't had the highest efficiency, but I think he has relative to now. the demands and the context. Yeah, I mean he the problem the so he's he's had less help and done more than Towns, but Towns has had more help and has had to do less, but they're also guard versus forward, who gets the ball, the usage rates, yeah, etc. Yeah, there's more of a unicorn element, yeah. I think, with, when people are fascinated with yeah. with, with Cat. And he's the number one pick, but... Porzingis also just injury. They're polarizing, they're polarizing right? Yeah. Because people cons- people consider them like these like net zeros on defense or decision. Whatever people think is usually wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the funny thing is I, I was watching uh, the Memphis game. Booker was actually... So Booker gets... Like people, people think he's just off on defense, and yes, he has times when he's awful. I can't. Sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I can't tell if it's just because he's like the whole offense. It's like you right, watch him against exactly, Memphis, yeah, and he's draining it. And then the Mem- the Mavs game, the first game of the season, he had like fourteen straight points. He just nailed in the coffin. Others, he when he goes off, people just cannot stop him. It's definitely oh, Kobe Kobe Shaq thing. Just, he just torched Philly last year. He torched I, I was him. there. Just, he just, you couldn't stop him. It you can't matter. When he pulls up for three, when you think that he shouldn't be playing up for three, he does the Steph thing. But what I'm talking about yeah. is the Memphis game. He he had foul trouble that the whole game. He had five fouls, comes in at nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, doesn't pick another foul, does verticality on Conley, and the Suns win that game with him draining shots. He played decent defense. Uh, I mean, obviously there's something to somewhat of a star player not getting called a sixth foul. Um, in a game that doesn't matter, but it's it's still like nine minutes of of NBA play without picking up a foul when you're Devin Booker. It's pretty impressive, and he's he's getting decently better at defense. Although his help defense needs to improve. Yeah, well, and here's the thing too: he's going to have a high floor on offense every day he shows up. And the other thing too is we discuss max contracts as if like they're all one to one, and if it's in this vacuum, like Steph Curry should be getting seventy five million dollars a year. <laughs> like, so <laughs> yeah, it's based on reason service and CBA. So he's playing, he's playing well. Like so, it's an artificial max, 
but it, what I'm trying to say is we sometimes what I'm trying to say because there's this cap, we try to equate that as one level of player. When really, what it's actually saying is this is the method of retaining high talented players mm-hmm. <laughs> like on your team. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is it's much more of a CBA thing than it is a player distinction thing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like we we put demands on players because of their contracts so quickly. When really, obviously, Booker has to grow into the contract. And yeah. so, does, like, so does Embiid, and so do a lot of these guys. Yeah. Because you don't have the opportunity to say, you know what, we're going to wait. Because somebody else will gladly give Devin Booker a max contract. I mean, isn't Wiggins a good example of that? In the exactly. opposite, almost? I mean, he got the big contract. He started, I mean, he was fine I mean, when he got the contract. But what, are you not going to give him the contract at the time? And then he doesn't seem to have lived up to it. But it's like, it's like but then again... Hard. Can John Wall play ever play good enough to live up to his contract? <laughs> yeah, that's a polarizing one too. Because now I'm starting to read the idea that like he would be the one that you would trade. I think the Ringer maybe somebody had yeah, an article someone had that basically it. was like that was like let's you know let's he will be the selling point and that you don't and he'll facilitate a rebuild on the fly. And I just I, I don't see it like like somebody was mentioning like New Orleans. I was like New Orleans like I was like. Drew Holiday's better, straight up. Than better. Like, oh, oh, be- better. He's not a better player, but he's a better fit and a more smarter, low usage player if we have Anthony Davis. I don't know. I, I, general, I, 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 I could even make the argument that Drew Holiday's a better player. Like, I, think from, he, I don't know if you can convince a fan, better. but I think you can convince a writer. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And, and, and to speak on that, like I think there's this culture with John Wall, for example, where like it does go too far, too, right? The hate can go too far, and I think... NBA Twitterati or NBA, you know, like the, the, I'm sure the same nerds that we all read, like we become a group think thing and we think that's the distinction of who that player is. And like, it's, it's interesting too. Like you, we mentioned the Barkley thing earlier, even talking to guys like, I, like my buddy was a scouting director for the Sixers for several years. Um, and so I, I have a couple friends that are in the NBA just from like being in the industry, but yeah. like, not like, and my point is, is that like they do really do sometimes have very different takes on players and different mm-hmm. takes on the realities because they look at it more of like, like I was saying, like the business dynamics or yeah. say how you might look at it, like the player development dynamics. They don't look at it like how are you going to pay this contract off next week? Because let's be honest, NBA Twitter wants you to show, wants you to live up to your contract every night. And it's every ridiculous. Night. They don't understand like consistency, like how... Or, or people get so people are just like super. The Suns lose a bunch of games, like they they're two and eight, okay. But the games that they won, they played really well. They're playing decently well. They've literally, if you look at the schedule, the only team they should have beaten was Brooklyn, who they didn't beat. And then the Mavs, they won one of them, they lost one of them. They basically played only Toronto and Western Conference playoff teams. It's like, what did you expect? They're a young team with nine new players or something, like. I don't know. People, people, expectations are weird. And a new center, like yeah, there's. And a new GM, like an interim GM, like they're playing. Like I'm looking for player development. Okay, is Aiton getting better? Yes, Aiton is basically Shaq 2.0. He is moves incredibly well. He's somehow able to shoot. What is he? The best true shooting percentage of any any rookie ever. It's pretty close. Like he's able. I've the Suns have not had anybody that a big man like that since Amari and. And then I was looking at the numbers, and Aiton, as a rookie, is already bigger than he's about three inches taller and like five, in, five pounds heavier, and he is going to grow a lot more and put on more weight and strength, and he can shoot better than Amari could when he was a started out. It's incredible to have someone like that, and he can already rebound so well. I don't, I don't think he's had a game where he hasn't had a double double yet. He's really impressive. There's no doubt about it. And like one of the best, like compliments you i think he could get was when Embiid was like 
like picking on him. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's a great compliment because Embiid is basically saying, "Hey, buddy, you're in my club." Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, he's, he, I mean, his words are saying that he's not in my club, but it's like uh, just rec- just well, really acknowledging it. Like, is, yeah, yeah. I make fun of you because it's let's go to like it's the same thing he did with Mo Bamba. Like he's doing it with guy, the young guys he, he respects. Like yeah. I think people have to understand too. And Bean is an incredibly nice, funny guy. Like yeah. he's he's really just having a lot of fun. Yeah, um, let's t- talk a little more NBA general NBA stuff here. What do you think? Who is more legit, the Raptors, Bucks, or Celtics? It's the Raptors for me, just because like so far, like. I think they're scoring like maybe at least before uh, before yesterday, and entering Wednesday they were scoring like more points per game uh, with Kawhi off the floor than on. <laughs> like <laughs> that's crazy. They were averaging like, 117 points without him and 116.8 with him, like with him. So I was like, okay. And Steve, you know, talk about like I just finished reading like seven seconds or less not that long ago, yeah. and um, and just thinking of like Kyle Lowry. I know it's a completely different league, and like so. He's not really mimicking Steve Nash's 2005 because Nash was doing that in a league where that was completely like foreign. Mm-hmm. But he's putting up like 60% true shooting, like you know, incredible assist rate, no turnovers. Like Kyle Lowry, like somehow is also taking the leap here, and mm-hmm. I think it might be because this might be his first modern coach of all time. Yeah, I mean right? he's he. I mean, Ujiri uh, got Casey and kept him, and Casey's a good coach. I mean, he's in he's in uh, Detroit now, I believe, and yeah, but. You're right. Nick Nurse is a different kind of person. I mean, it's the really yeah, it's, it's it's the young model, right? Do you understand Casey new, from the Low Post podcast? And that's the league, though, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the league right now. In a nutshell, is that like we've seen a lot of philosophical turnover. Yeah. Like, meaning there's not as many of these teams. Like for fantasy and DFS stuff, if I've ever done like prep work, you know, you want to throw out some simple numbers. You want to throw out like, well, this team's really slow. You want to avoid this game. There's not that many of them anymore. Yes. <laughs> like you have your Utahs and your Memphises, but like there's just in your Miamis, there's just not a ton of these teams who are sticking with like kind of this atypical model. Like, like they do, if, do not used to happen that you scored 140 points. It's, it was 104. <laughs> it's incredible. It's like this is yeah, and it's really incredible. And you know, it's it's also fun, but like. You know, the league is now, I think, still figuring out how to navigate the, the new shot clock and how to yeah. navigate and how to navigate how to play defense in this world. And it's a, it's a so freedom of movement. To, yeah, totally. All this, and what it is is really like finally Toronto and Milwaukee are, are – I'm not saying they're matching Brad Stevens, but I'm saying there's no longer this epic gap. I'm not, there wasn't an epic gap with Toronto, but I'm saying I do think there was with Milwaukee, obviously, in the last few years. Let's be honest. Like a lot of us in, I'm not saying this. I don't know how to say this. Like the NBA nerds of the world, I think recognize that there was going to be a big leap with Milwaukee just based on the Bud thing alone. Over Jason Kidd, yeah, my goodness. Yeah, and then like even like role players like Brogdon that people weren't talking about, like like because he kind of became this joke for a bad rookie of the year. But like Mike Miller was a bad rookie of the year too, and still had a great NBA career. Meaning like Brogdon, well, he, Brogdon yeah, he was the best rookie. It was just it was just that he was. Already efficient, he was one of, somewhat of a finished product, but because he was an old exactly. rookie, yeah, he wasn't a sexy pro- prospect. So I guess what I'm saying is, I think that roster has more than Giannis and the guys, which yeah. is kind of what the public sentiment is. And obviously, Chris Middleton's a, a boss. I, honestly, I think they are, and I'm, I know I'm going to be overreactive here, but I do think the the concept that like it's the West is amazing and the East, the the the, the top of the East is pretty good. Oh like, yeah. The top, the, the, the top, top three, three or four, teams. everything else is crap. Teams. But I think the cutoff is after three. Like I don't think Philly's in that group. You don't okay. because of dysfunction. I think Philly's in this tier with like Indiana. Yeah, I'm, I'm less. See, I'm less of a Ben Simmons guy than most people. I'm finding, 
partially because of my player development thing, and I really enjoy players who can shoot, like Lillard, Booker, Durant, Curry are like some of my favorite players. Um, so it makes it hard to love him. But I do notice, I mean, you see the he's huge LeBron resemblance every time he dribbles down the court and transitions. He's being misused to an extent, too. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, because I think he should, like, the fact that he's not being used as a role man in the NBA is just crazy. Like, because yeah, his like, passing uh, is so good. Exactly. And, and, and also, like, it's always advantageous when he starts the ball down low. And the other thing, too, is let's be honest. He's 6'11", almost 7 feet. He needs a post. Like, people talk about the shooting, and don't get me wrong. But it's like how you talked about the young kids shooting from 30 feet. you got to start shooting from 2 feet. And more importantly, if Simmons just developed a really savvy set of, like, drop steps and, like, little jump hook type things, he's humongous. Obviously, like you said, player development-wise, that's the question. When is he going to make a change? I also think he suffers a little bit from the Brogdon effect. And what I mean by that is people talk about Ben Simmons like he is a finished product because he doesn't do one thing so well. But some of his other skills are incredibly loud. I just I I do agree that I think there he needs to make some sort of drastic leap in his approach and his shooting because it, it's ridiculous. I mean, I also, it's him at the, I also agree with you. I think that the reason people think of him as a finished product is because he is all star type hype all the time already, which means for most people who can get there, that means that they're already basically in their prime, and he's not there yet. But they th- people, and I think people see him that way. Right, people have diagnosed like he's a great. He's basically Jason. He's, he can pass real well and play defense. He also was like number two in the league in defensive win shares last year. That's crazy. Like, like he, he, as a rookie, like, and I yeah. know like rookie with an asterisk, but like still. <laughs> so I think there's ways that Ben Simmons can still be. I guess my my point is, I think Ben has narrower paths to being a very very special player than maybe like convention might think, right? Because of talent, mm-hmm. like his path. I think his floor is actually pretty high in the right system. Yeah. Like he's always going to be like a top twenty-five NBA player, just because he's a weird, he's a freak. But you know, if Brown's not here forever, or if you know, because like he's young, he's twenty-two. This not might not be his coach forever. It's still twenty-two. My goodness. Yeah, time goes so slowly sometimes. <laughs> and he just turned twenty-two like last last May or whatever it was. So like, either way, my point is is that like Ben, I think, isn't the finished product, and this whole thing is just so goofy. Like trying to grow from Fultz next to him. Let's be honest. I've never seen anything happen to Fultz that I've never seen that happen before. Yeah, like no one has. If you look, if you just pull up the summer league tape, and I like if, against the Celtics, like he was on the floor with Jason Tatum, and it was really clear who the best prospect was. And I'm not mocking like Jason Tatum, like I said, I'm high on him, but like Simmons was pulling up from everywhere. He was bouncy. He was everything that Washington was. And then in that two months between Fultz was July, Fultz, said, look at those. Look, Look at those first Vegas games. He looked yeah. awesome. Yeah. And it was actually, it was U- I think it was Utah because um, he got injured in, in Vegas. But my point is, is like he looked like this. He looked kind of a lot like the the, the Washington version, and then he just disappeared. He showed up in, in camp. I can't I can't tell you, <laughs> Eric, how horrible it was the first time I saw him shoot free like, throws in training camp. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was at the facility. Like, I was at the facility. I was like excited, and I was like, what the? <laughs> I was like, what? I was, What's like, happening? I think he's kidding. It's, like, he's it's, kidding, it's, a, it's a prank, right? They're playing horse, right? Like, and his thing is he's making fun of somebody. Yeah. Like, and like I thought it was – I literally thought he was mimicking somebody. Like when you first saw it, I was like, is he doing Bill Cartwright? <laughs> like, is, like is, is he trying to do Anthony Mason's like, like free throw? Yeah. And no, it was in fact Mark Fultz's shot. So wow. injury, um, you know, uh, whether it's something that's going on in a mental sense, like everybody's actually incredibly sensitive to it in Philly. Like it's been a pretty supportive like experience, like meaning the fans. Like, yeah, they're trying – 
They're trying to, but I honestly, I think a lot of that is self-protection. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what if this didn't work overall? Yeah, they're protecting themselves from the expectations. But also, I think, you know what's funny? What's lost in all of this talk is that Embiid is second in the league in scoring and is like, it cut his turnover rate in half. So, he's, he's trying to, he's making it too. And he's 24. Wait, so it's Joel like, Embiid, oh, he, yeah, he's tied for four, third right now. Well, uh, yeah, so, a couple, you know, it's going to fluctuate. But I'm saying, yeah. like, he's... He's handling the gig, and that, he's making a leap. Didn't notice that. That's really cool. <clears throat> yeah, he's playing really well, and he is an old school guy, but he's also just one of these outliers. He's an Aiton, right? Like, meaning like they don't make. And that's the funny thing. Like this draft, I think people were trying to say. Like, I thought the NBA was, you know, going small. It's like, no, that's not what it is. It's that the big guys are going to adapt too. Yeah. <laughs> like I was. By the way, I was a Doncic guy the whole way. Oh man, for sure. Yeah, I was a Doncic guy all the way until they said, hey, we're picking eight, and I'm like, oh, fine. <laughs> we'll be fine. Um, a couple more things. we could, we, You and I could probably talk about this forever, but we probably should wrap it up sometime here so we can go watch the games. Um, three more quick things. How valuable is LeBron? My goodness. If the Cavs are this bad without him, obviously love too, but it's amazing. man. Amazing. It's also the vortex of LeBron too. Like, I, I haven't yet said it in tweet form, but like, it's almost like there's some. he's like David Blaine. And I say this because I've never seen anybody be able to turn Los Angeles into Cleveland so quickly. Like, and what I mean by that is that, like, the Lakers already feel a little bit weary. Like, they yeah. already feel a little bit like, oh, my God, this is exhausting. Yeah, because, I don't know how they're – I mean, I love that they, they signed Tyson Chandler. I'm like – and the, the people all on Twitter last night when he does all these good things, I'm like, he didn't do any of those for the Suns. I'm scared, no, scared yeah. like, is that for the Suns? But he's also, like, 36, like – are you sure you can do that every night? That's what I said. He was I, slow. I this morning, I was like, guys, I don't buy it. I said, He's also, slow. The, here's, here's my one Lakers stat, which is great. They've given up 111 points in every single game. At least. Oh, my gosh. The last team to do that was a 1983 Nuggets when, like, Alex English was like, I'm going to score 90 points tonight. So, like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, that's and, like, Alex, like, like When I was a kid, like, thinking of the Denver Nuggets in the 80s was like, they don't play defense, and like that's the Lakers right now. Yeah, they really don't. I mean, and if you if your centers are Javale and Tyson, like I don't know what you're gonna do. I'm but I'm they, always like, but they have six blocks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that's not how this works. Yeah, I was I was. There's always a feud, quote unquote, feud between Suns and Lakers and Suns and Spurs from so many years ago. We um, had trades and the division and yeah, you know. The, oh, the I, one I really, the best yeah, week I, I of my life might have. The best week of my life might have been the sweep over the Spurs. That was a great week. I mean, reading seven seconds or less, it was so enjoyable to really get to know. Yeah. First of all, D'Antoni is so likable. Yeah. In my like, in terms of how he runs a room, but yes. like, just the dynamics of that whole team was so cool. How many like cool character guys they had? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, all of them. Boris Diaw is like Raja amazing. To, the Eddie, the Eddie House scouting report was like my favorite thing. I forget what it was. It was like doesn't shoot if he doesn't have the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, this is amazing. Okay, so um, yeah, we could talk seven that that time. I mean, so I basically started watching basketball. I'm young, um, decently yeah, young, and and 2002 probably is when I started. Really, we went to some games for a long time and uh, um, watching then. So I watched all of that intently, and it was crazy. But I didn't like start covering the league till like 2011, so it got pretty depressing. <laughs> that was uh, when Brian Colangelo still knew how to draft. So that was fun. Yeah, it was good. And I'm I'm also a big McDonough guy over than most anybody you can meet. I he I don't know he gets a raw deal sometimes. He, well, he had a he had a, 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 a dealt a bad 
bent you know, hand, I think. Like, do you like, remember oh, what no. assets they had before he came? Like, none. You know how many assets they have no. now? A lot more. <laughs> and well, two and, and, and players. That's, like I said, that's how quickly, quickly fan base has changed. Now people start complaining about your match players. It's like, guys, do you know where we were? And, like, yeah. it's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, how crazy is it um, that Oladipo is what he is now? Oh, my lord. Um... Like honestly, that's like my internal prayer for Fultz. <laughs> like, like, and obviously, like Oladipo was always much more proficient th- than what we're seeing from Fultz right now. Yeah. But like, first of all, you know the crazy thing too—I didn't realize this till last night. Like, I knew it, but like the fact that him and Sabonis have been traded twice together is incredible. Oh my gosh! But, also, they got traded that they got draft, traded. the the Oladipo draft. He was like oh. surprised that he went like third or second wherever he did, and now he's like Landmines easily the best player in that draft. I think, right? Landmines all over. Yeah, it's like. Nerlens and Anthony Bennett and like Alex Len, who's now like playing well in Atlanta. I'm like, what is that? Yeah, I mean that's also like pace and craziness. Like that's yeah. him having numbers because like really, Lloyd Pierce when he's doing Atlanta is just in a lot of ways mimicking what Brett Brown did in Philly. Like but, we're gonna run, 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 hide how bad we are by running. You know, Alex Len shooting threes though. I was like, he couldn't shoot fadeaway twos forever. I mean, I couldn't. I could. It was hurting my eyes. I think free agency changes the man. Yeah, know? it does. Like, <laughs> he's, I mean, he was because I, I saw him when I was, uh, was at journalism school right? and so. meeting him and Archie Goodwin when they were rookies covering that. And uh, yeah, it was he, he. He simplified his game that year before the last year, though. It was good good to see him with some energy. He also had a lot of nagging injuries, so I'm glad he's kind of passed those and Archie able Goodwin, to. That's a good name. I remember when the the Suns had like the, the Kentucky backcourt basically. They like, still do. I mean, they, they still they, do. They I mean, until like, like I think it's basically yeah. just Booker now, but they had everybody. The only one they yeah. haven't drafted in the last like five years is Fox. And he looks great too. I really he looks know, good. Know, about him. And the other thing is, I've never seen someone's shot change so much as TJ Warren's this year. It's crazy. It freaks me I, out every time I see it. I got him in fantasy all over the place. It's just he was basically free. Just yeah. Like whatever. He's a mid range guy. It's been great. I mean, so he, so I think uh, you probably have, you might have the stats, but he's basically now made as many threes as he did all of last year. All of last year. It's it's this new NBA. I mean, Brooke Lopez against the Sixers last time they played made more three pointers than he did in his le- in his first seven years in the NBA. Yeah, but Brooke Lopez <laughs> is a good shooter. I think. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm saying like he always could have he always could have done that. Is my yeah, point. but it's, Warren's it, shot it, was so the look. hitch was so bad. No, I was right. like, you're you right. couldn't even get you're it right. to the rim. But I was always impressed, like looking at him from the basketball reference perspective, not as much the tape perspective, as like always seeing just how much he kind of kept digging at the mid range, and he got, he got pretty good at it. It's just, it's just you know, what's the trade off with that level of volume? Yeah. It's good to see because now he suddenly becomes a reasonable contract, you know, and and interesting. Well, I think I think even before his reasonable contract was it four fifty? I think it's yeah, four fifty. Exactly. Like that's not bad for this NBA. Like back when I started covering it, it was like four fifty would have been ridiculous, but. Now four fifty is like, eh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, give it to Kelly Olenek. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly Kelly Olenek. My goodness. Um, so yeah, those uh, are the three my things. Theory I, on, on, on wait, real quick on 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 Kelly Olenek is that he's actually three Duke point guards taped together. <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, like like one of those like you know three kids in like in like a big jacket. In a big jacket is like that's Kelly Olenek. Oh my god! Like he like he was so annoying last year in the playoffs. I was like he can he's like. He's a white dude point guard. Yeah. So last thing here, what what are some people you wish were in better situations and better just yeah, better for them? Which you wish better for them in the NBA. Yeah. Well I mean 
Honestly, Towns is one of them because yeah. I I want to see more who he is and like I'm not sure he's had the best shake. I mean, like Tibbs and the like, just how Tibbs needs to and, go. Like, Tibbs needs to go, and like I would love to see him in a system that like really let him go, like let him have fun. Um, he's one. I'm trying to think of another one. A situation Kevin. I want to see Kemba on a bigger stage. I think Kemba so much. I think Kemba is so much closer offensively to Dame Lillard than people think yeah. in terms of like. You think it, the Suns trade for Kemba? That's a big thing that goes on. It would be a good move. I mean, I think Kemba is thought of as like again. It's one of these things where it's like you can't give Kemba a max, but it's this idea that like you can because there's only so many players in the world worthy of a max anyway. Yeah, there's so much money that's gonna go up. He might be. What I'm trying to say is, put it this way: if the max for him is 28 million, he might actually give you 31 million dollars in basketball next year in terms of like what the return would be. And that doesn't seem like a huge profit, but. At the same time, he's giving you this. Like, you have to just be good at the rest of your roster as well. He he might not be a max player in the sense that like he's Giannis, but there's only a few of those in the world. Yeah, Giannis and, is too good. Yeah, I, I just don't think we're realistic enough when we talk about like acquisition stuff. It all has to be so ideal, and like there's ways to make it work. And like I like Melton for you guys. I like there's there's some good things going on. I really wanted him in the draft, um, but I'll take Landry Shamet. But more importantly, Kemba is a good guy. Um, I think who else is kind of stuck, right? Kevin Love. Um, I feel really bad for Kevin Love. Yeah, Kevin Love would be cool, but like, I guess I don't feel as bad because I, I, I kind of feel like he's at least had like his. We've kind of at least seen him on a stage where he's been like flare. He's flourished. Um, I would love to say somebody on Orlando, but I, I can't think of anybody on that, that 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 would be like. I'm trying to think of teams that like are underrepresented, and I'd love to see them on a great a great. I would love to see with, Anthony Davis make the finals. Oh, okay. Wow. Somehow. I mean, how are you going to do it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I don't know either. But it'd be fun. It, the, I, one thing I can say is I never want to see Anthony Davis on the Celtics. Um, yeah. I just don't ever. But it's because, like, for you, for other people, it doesn't hurt. For me, it would be, like, very painful. Well, for also, it's because if you get Anthony Davis, that means you're going to kill the depth that, it's gonna make, that makes you great. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But also, so is uh, cap and money. I mean, they're going to have to pay. Um, Brown and Tatum, and it's going to be really it's just, it's, hard. That's the thing, right? The decisions come so quickly in the NBA; it's incredible. Like how quickly you go from this is really fun, like this ice cream tastes great, and then it's melting all over you, and you're like, I need napkins. Yeah, the because, decision that Ainge is going to make between Hayward, Kyrie, Brown, and Tatum, and Horford is going to be interesting. Yeah, and just letting Rozier walk all this stuff. Like this isn't the NFL. Like you can't. You can't play tag games with everybody. Like, so someone's gonna have to go. Taking, which you've mentioned a lot of people taking contracts into 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 it and uh, kind of conflating whether you trade for them or you assign them for agency. For the Suns, Lillard, Kemba, Wall, Dinwiddie, or Rozier. Uh, I mean, Lillard's the best player there for me. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, 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 but I'd probably say Kemba because one, I just don't think like Lillard's ever. I think Lillard is like Portland. So you think um, McCollum goes before Lillard goes there? Yeah, because I think he actually is one of these players who's going to sometimes struggle to return the value. Whereas, like, yeah, I think Lillard that's what someone else is, said. Is too. Very much a max player. Yeah, um, and he's older than he's older, I guess. Right, he's a four-year player, but like, I think um, McCollum is. Walker's. No, no, no. no. I, I meant, I meant. Um, uh, Lillard, meaning like I would factor that into acquiring him. Isn't Lillard? I think Lillard, Wall, and Kemba are almost all exactly the same age. They're all 20, they? 29, I think. Right? They're all 28, 29, and then Kemba's 27. Um, so Kemba's 27. Yeah. Let's go get him. But then it's a question between the Max guy or the unproven Rougier and Dinwiddie. Yeah, it, it's difficult because it's not the same 
percentage of, of your it's not like allocating the same resources yeah. um, I probably would, would swing for Kemba mm-hmm. because I think I think he would really thrive and I know it seems like overlap with him and Booker but I don't think I think you can't have enough and I, more importantly both can play off ball they're both really good Booker shooters. needs if you watch it though obviously Booker can be a playmaker but when you watch him go off ball and come off screens and be Ray Allen but better it's it's crazy but he's but the fact that with it, what he is now, he can do the thing at the end of the game like Kobe. But when you watch him able to easily release anywhere as a three-point shooter, and he can drive, you watch him get a, a hard screen from each, and then you're like, wow, he can just do anything he wants. So I'm I'm more Dinwiddie and then Kemba, but okay. mostly because of, of age, slash age and right. contract. But I think that yeah. uh, Kemba is definitely the way to go. John Wall is not the way to go, but like I'm not going to hate uh-huh. it if John Wall gets traded here, as long as you don't give up Booker no, Aiton. Because John Wall is like again, he's priced. He's like deemed by NBA Twitter to be like a loss somehow. When he's like, he'll still come out and give you like twenty eight and fourteen assists. And really, the reason that it is because he's a he's a playmaker. He he can make things happen. I don't want to get bogged down, and I want better defense. Keenan is doing the best he can, but he's just not a starting point guard. Realistically, I would, I would want to stay away from Wall. Like like, also Phoenix is a, like, I think it's an open. It's a wide enough open canvas. Between Aiton and and um, and Booker, that like there's a lot of stuff that can fit there. Yeah, and they're versatile enough. And I think Mikael Bridges is going to be awesome. I loved watching him play. Right. Whereas like Philly, you have to build around. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. Philly, yeah. It's like it's like it's like you have to like navigate these landmines a little bit, or kind of like it's an existing structure that you can't get zoning for. You guys yeah. have you guys have my you guys have the young combo guard and the young center. It's about the rest of the pieces, you know. Yeah, and the question is so like a re. You buy out Chandler this year. Ariza and Anderson are well. Ariza's gone for sure because yeah. you're not signing him to 15 million a year again. And Anderson, you can get rid of, but he also could be on your books. He played bad last night or two nights ago, man. Whew. And Mikael Bridges needs to start. Warren's still there. Josh Jackson's still there. They have enough wings. You just need a good point guard. Trade Jackson for Kemba, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> hey, Although I mean. I, li- I like to keep Jackson. Michael teams. Jordan stay under the tax. He might be into it. Yeah. Just by mistake. Yeah, but then again, you're locked. Then you're locked in, though, right? If you have to pay Kemba, and you're already paying Booker, and you're going to pay Aiton once he's out of his thing, you're pay- you're done. You're done. <laughs> you better. You are, you are. You are. But like that's how the NBA works. Like like you can't keep like the the Sixers have a ma- one max contract window left. Yeah. And it it, it expires in June, meaning uh, July, meaning like if we don't, it, it, not we, but if the team doesn't use it. Then it goes to the cap holds of Dario and Ben, yeah. and it's just lost. And it's like those windows are really small, and they're competitive. And so, what I mean by that, it's not to accept what you can get, but like Kemba wouldn't be a negative contract. No. Booker's not a negative contract. Yeah. Like, like so. Patience, definitely. I, you know, I don't mind marrying to players who I know I can move later too. The question I think ends up that I think people like the Rockets and other people are trying to answer now is. Is Kemba Booker and Aiton in three years a championship team, championship core? I mean, does it have to be like because like so? What I mean, it's the what, goal, what but obviously no one ever gets 20, there. I mean, the Grizzlies. Right Booker's just turned, he just turned twenty two a week ago, two weeks. Ago. Yeah, I because he was the youngest guy in his class, so it's like the, the the. I guess the other thing too is like I'd say this to my Sixers friends all the time. That like they won a championship now, and I'm like, if you look at the history, like yeah, the the Thunder jumped the gun and got to the finals when they were babies. But like most 
most like real cores don't start making the real runs till they're 24 through 27. Yeah. It's just, it's just the reality of, of, of the growth. And so it's like, in three years, when Kemba's 31, Booker's yeah. 25, and Aiton's 23, is that good before you have to start paying Aiton max? I know, I know it gives you a lot of good nights, and I know it, 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 it might make some noise. And yeah. it all comes down to player development at that point, right? Because we're not talking about now book, Booker. We're talking about a Booker who might be James Harden by then. Yeah. Which he, like, I mean, like, he's a better defender than Harden already. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like, we're, like we're, we're talking about future and bead. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a player who's not here yet. Yeah. You know, and the, so you have the, to scale that in. That's the that's kind of the mystery, right? The wrench, the whole all... thing is playoffs and starver. There you go. So it's we'll see. Because <laughs> he, he wants to turn the heat up and he wants it now. I get it, and he's. He wants a point guard more than anything. He would be terrible in a fantasy at a fantasy league. By yeah. the way, like, he'd be really easy to work over. Yes, it's fun. Yes. Anyway, I think that's all for today. I got got to stop it sometime and post it so we can go watch some basketball. Well, there you go. Why don't you uh, do the uh, handle and then uh, tell us your Twitter okay. handle and what you got going on, and then we'll uh, get out of here. Sure. I am at underscore Jimmy McCormick. Um, they, like as everybody knows, like. People settle for underscores. It's not really a celebrated thing. And then I work for ESPN. I do uh, NFL and NBA research and fantasy stuff. And every day I'm writing about the NBA right now. It's really great. Like well, There you go. It's a gig, but it's what, what a fun gig. I bet, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy. Thanks for your time, and uh, we'll see you later. I appreciate it. Um, I have, before I get off here, I'll tell everybody I have, uh, my Twitter is at Eric underscore Sar, E-R-I-C underscore S-A-R. I'm part of the underscore family there. Um, and also check out solarinsights.net we're on Spotify and everything else uh, lots of good episodes uh, also elitehoopsdevelopment.com for basketball development and for media marketing slingshotmediaconsulting.com thanks so much everybody thanks.